0: And, and especially this week, though, we remember those who have loved ones who did not, and so you may have contact with some of those folks. And this is that opportunity, at the very least, to pray for them. As, as uh, this is a uh, this weekend, it's not about picnics for them. It's not about uh, uh, family getting together. It's much more about memories that uh, brings some pain and and some pride in the middle of it. So. We pray for each other, and we pray for them, and we are so grateful for the service. I had an interesting conversation this week. A young man just dropped in, and actually was coming in to see Rich, and the uh, school administrator, and he wasn't here, so he had to settle for me. And And uh, so we started visiting. His name was Jeff, and, and uh, found out that he has uh, recently uh, moved into position, I think maybe director of uh, the Mosaic, the the, the uh community a service that works with uh, special need folks and and we talked a little bit about some uh, just ways that uh, they might help serve ex- actually to north but as we're visiting and we're talking uh, suddenly something he said uh, turned on a light bulb for me and and I said to him, I said I think I know you uh, I believe that I did your sister's funeral seven or eight years ago I was a member uh, t- just a tragic circumstances and we got and and uh, he said, you did. We started, we recognized each other. And so that brought up a whole new conversation. And, and I said to him, I says, Jeff, I said, uh, how are your folks doing? How, how are you doing? Uh, and we talked, and he said, you know, Paul, he said, it was uh, it was really a difficult time. In fact, in the, in the midst of it, especially in those beginning days, I can, he said, just there was a sense of, I don't know if we could. If we can never make it past this, where, you know, how do you survive? How do you recover uh, from something like this? But I would have to say, in hindsight, uh, God has done some really amazing things. And in that conversation, found out he was a believer. He says he's just—he's taught us so much. He—he he gave us strength when we needed strength, and wisdom when we needed wisdom, and. And somehow in the midst of everything, in the midst of of very hard circumstances and what at times seemed like hopeless circumstances, God allowed us to pick up the pieces and to move forward. And and he said, I'd have to say now, not that I'd ever want to walk through it again, but certainly I'm grateful for what I've been allowed to see God do. You know, we're looking at this individual Nehemiah and He's in the middle of, as we've walked with him, through some really tough circumstances. And, and, and we followed this journey from, from the beginning. We're looking at his journal. In fact, if you want to turn to it, Nehemiah chapter 4 is, is where we're at this morning. Uh, we followed it from, from the beginning when Nehemiah gets the information from his home country, Jew, Jerusalem, his, his, the capital city, which he finds out because he actually is up in Persia. He serves at the king's bequest of, per, of Persia he's got a very important position even though his ancestry background is jewish he got his somehow risen him to this level of uh, extreme importance in that persian empire and, and he gets word back from a group that has just returned including his brother from from Jerusalem and he asks how things are are down there and he finds out that the the news is devastating uh, the the city has all but been destroyed through a series of attacks, different enemies, especially Nehemiah and the Babylonian Empire, who they just tore everything down. The walls, wiped them out. The rubble on the ground, the temple, the the city, and 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 even though some of that has been repaired, the walls have not, and and just everything about their circumstances down there seem hopeless and in disarray, and. And quite frankly, I think the people had slipped into a, a position where they had become a, a accustomed to dysfunction. And so they were surviving. And in fact, that's what the group said they're surviving. And that they had kind of moved into that state, surviving. And some of you have been in those kind of circumstances where if I were to ask you how you're doing, or someone did, your, your response would be, well, we're surviving. And so as Nehemiah heard this information, his heart broke because his that's his people, that's his ancestors. And, and here he was 800 miles away without any from his perspective able to do anything about their circumstances and yet wanting to do something because he was hurting for his people and and you remember his, his default response as he got, found himself in what seemed like an impossible situation where he was just totally helpless. Not only was he at the, the, the will of the king uh, who he had to be careful with how he addressed him, but he was so far away and, and, and he didn't know, what can I do? And so his default response was to pray, to talk to God when we're up against those circumstances which are beyond us in fact uh i want to i want to couch this carefully i would say this that is this is not a true storm, statement but certainly true when we're up in those circumstances where we're just surviving where everything in this is in disarray our life has not turned out the way we thought it would everything feels like rubble that's a real good place to say you know I need to talk to God about this. Now, what I want to say is we shouldn't wait till those situations. He wants that ongoing conversation. He is our Father. He wants to talk he wants to talk to him all the time and and we watched in nehemiah's example he he finally gets an audience before the king if if you've been here and followed his journey and and he prayed for an opportunity for four months he prayed for an opportunity to be able to talk to the king about what was on his heart and his people not knowing what could happen but at least an opportunity and it took four months that finally the king opened up the dialogue and he could share his heart God gave him that opportunity, but even in that moment, after praying for four months for the opportunity, remember, he he did a real quick prayer right then, Lord, this is the chance, I've been praying about this, and you know, help me say the right thing here, and God moved on the heart's king, and the response was overwhelming, he said, Nehemiah, he says, basically, what can we do here? I'll give you what you need, I'll give you permission, how long do you need, remember? How long do you need? And, and Nehemiah had thought this through, and he, said, and he didn't even know what he was going to face when he got down there or what he could even do about it, but he wanted to go be with his people. And so the king gave him permission to go be with his people, even gave him slips of paper he needed to, if he got there, to get the supplies he needed from, from the king's wealth and the king's force and protection on the way down because there were so many enemies that did not want to see the Jews have any kind of blessing as we've discovered as we work this and so God opened that door and, and, and allowed Nehemiah to move that direction. And so they get down there. Remember, after three days of kind of weighing things over, I think he was kind of, you know, testing the water, finding out who he could trust, who he couldn't trust, because they were not only surrounded by enemies, that, that city, but there were enemies that had infiltrated it too. There were even among their own people. It wasn't You weren't sure who you could trust. It was really just a sad and, and hard situation. And, and so he spent three days kind of looking over the situation. And then after three days, he, he found a small group that he felt he could trust. And they went during the night so that they wouldn't be seen to examine the situation. And then after examining the situation, God gave Nehemiah a plan, and we walked through that plan last week. You might want to go back and look at chapter 3, which at first sight might be one of those statistics and names, and boring, but it's so encouraging as you begin to see here, Nehemiah, God has given Nehemiah this plan of, of how to help this city rebuild, working side by side, encouraging each other, family working with family, putting the wall up by their own homes so that they have that extra incentive to to get this up fast for their own protection. And it just was an amazing strategy that God gave Nehemiah. And as, as Nehemiah shared it with the nobles and the people, here was the result. It said, let's start. They went from hopelessness to what can ever happen. This can never move forward. This is too big of a thing for us to recover from to saying, let's start. That's not how they felt even... Hours before. Hours before, it was an impossible task. Hours before, it was way too big of a job. Hours before, it was no way, Jose, my interpretation. But now it's uh, good work. In fact, what that really means is that "This this is exciting. They've gone from this can never happen to this is exciting. This might work. Something might happen. We might be able to do this. This is going to be fun. Can you imagine? God did that for them, and and I don't know your circumstance. I know some of you are walking in one of those situations right now where you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. You don't see a way out. You don't see this ever going in a good direction. And I want you to know God can take you to this point where, no, this this is going to work. He can give you a plan. Too often, we just don't turn to him. We don't lay it at his throne. We don't ask him for wisdom. He says, ask for wisdom. But they did, and now they're encouraged, and now they're excited, and now they're moving forward, and they're starting to build, and, and family members, and, and nobles, and uh, men who who and women who work with their hands and were common laborers from many in our perspective the blue collar workers are working right side by side with nobility and together they are accomplishing this amazing task as they as they move forward in fact we we jumped ahead and we'll jump ahead again that it, it takes them what at one time looked like an impossibility this can never happen Got finished in fifty-two days, less than two months, and the wall is completely repaired. And at one point, they thought that that was an impossibility. God accomplishes, accomplishes things through us if we'll allow Him. That not only sometimes seem impossible, but they they really are. And 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 the reason He the moves in and allows us is because He wants to make sure the glory goes the right direction. He he loves it when we are willing to step out in faith and do what we feel God wants to do even though it looks impossible because the result is we just can't help but bring give him glory. <laughs> it's just thank you Lord. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of something like this that was so much bigger than all of us and yet you accomplished it and we're so grateful and so in 52 days what seemed like an impossibility, was in, was completed. But a reminder, because we looked at this last week as well, God's work never goes forward without opposition. Satan sees to that. And that's the reality. And, 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 you know, here's the reality for for you as an individual. If your heart is really uh, in Wrapped up in I want to serve God, I want to please him. He's laid something on your heart that you know is his will and or or you're in a situation and he's directed your life. It wasn't what you planned, it wasn't what you where you thought you would be. But obviously God's orchestrated and 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 sometimes our tendency to think is to think, well, because I'm doing God's will, I'm doing his work, I'm serving him. Things will go easy, and here's the reality. That's just not the case because we live in enemy territory. We have an enemy named Satan, and he is out to oppose anything God wants to do, whether it's in your life or mine, uh, whether it's in your marriage or my marriage, whether it's in our family, whether whatever it is, whether it's us as a whole church. If, if it is a direction, if it's in the will of God, if it's a way that he wants to use us to serve us, to bless us, just count on it. It will be opposed by our enemy. In fact, we're told this over and over in Scripture. Here, uh, Dr. Getz talks about it. Paul talked about it. In, in the framework, it's interesting. In a passage in, in Ephesians chapter 5, he's talking about uh, interpersonal relationships. And and talking about his will in regard to how those relationships should look, whether it be parents and their children or their teenagers or or husband and wives or, or employee situations where I'm employed or you're the employer. And he talks about all these relationships and, and how they're supposed to work. And if, and if we're honoring God in the, in the relationship, here's, here's what it'll look like. And, and then he follows that up with, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's kings. You mean, you mean that, that the fact just I, I'm serving God, I'm trying to honor my, my God by the kind of husband I am, the kind of wife I am, by the kind of parent I am, you mean that when I do those things, Satan can still come on the attack? Exactly. In fact, it's not, I mean, can it? It will. He says, Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, for our f- struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's the reality. That's the world we're in. I just want us to understand that. We're getting ready to have conversations. Mark mentioned that as a church family, uh, you know, God has given us this, this tool to use to advance his kingdom, to use for us. To help grow each other up, and as we interact and study the Word of God, and and uh, uh, you know counsel and encourage each other, and we grow in our faith and our maturity, and then he's used and and he wants to use this tool to help us reach out into our community uh, and and just build that kingdom. And it's exciting, but we realize we need to do some things. And and in fact, uh, one of the things uh, we'll be doing these uh, these little gatherings and and uh, if you haven't had the opportunity, we're going to give you the opportunity to take a tour of the building. This kind of looks pretty nice. Upstairs, there's a couple rooms that look really great because we redid them last year. And then you go into this one area of the church where you're saying, okay, let's not stay here too long. Something might fall on us. That's, but this a tool he's given us, and there's some things we know we need to do, and we're going to have these conversations, and, and we've been praying about this, and we're going to pray. You're going to pray and talk together uh, and we're going to, Lord willing, move forward. And, but we're going to move forward knowing that we've got a devil who's going to scheme. He's already planning. He's already plotting. In fact, when we looked at this passage a couple of years ago, if you remember, when it says the devil schemes, the, the, the text and the tense of the text, the Greek there, is, it's, it's, it is an, the idea that it is, he's, he's got this playbook, but he's always adjusting it. You know, About the time you have him figured out, or you think you do, or I do, or we as a church do, or, or in your, you think, okay, here's the strategy he's been using. He switches it up on you. Now nah, it's, it's always, you can kind of, you know, he's, he's limited in his ideas, but, but he switches it up and he attacks from a new direction. And that's why Paul says, man, put this armor on every day because you got an enemy and he's out to make sure that whatever God's will is for you, that somehow he can shut it down by discouraging you, by making things hard, whatever he can do to get you to say, okay, I, I I can't do this. We can't do this. I give up. I quit. Peter talks about it. And you know Peter. Peter had had his own share. You know, Peter goes down in history as the one individual that, uh, you remember the conversation and Jesus is, is talking about some things, some important things, and Peter makes this statement, and Jesus stalks the conversation and says, looks at Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. And he's not calling Peter Satan, but what he is saying is, Peter, you have just become the spokesperson for the enemy. Shut it down, buddy. Shut it down. And, and, and so Peter's very familiar with you know the, the, hand, the foot and, ha- and mouth disease. He kind of walks through that on a regular occurrence. So he's familiar with the attack of the enemy. It almost destroyed him. It almost set him aside from ever serving God. He walked through that experience where he came to the point and he said, it's hopeless for me. It wasn't. But he felt it. He was sure of it at that moment. And and then Jesus came and lifted him out of that. And said, I have plans for you, Peter. And so Peter writes later on, your enemy... The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We have a hungry enemy who wants to destroy. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour me. And so we always got to be on our guard, always got to be aware. And especially if, if your heart is to serve God and to, and to live and, and speak and work within the realm of his will, just anticipate the attack. It's it's coming. I guarantee you it's coming. You have an enemy. You have an enemy, and I have an enemy. And that's exactly what Nehemiah finds. So here they are. Things have come together, and, and they're excited. They finally got a plan of action. And, and they're together, they're excited about it, what they once thought was an impossibility. Now they're saying, this is a good work, this is a good thing, this is exciting, this is going to be fun. And so we open into the pages right after they're ready to start, and they actually have started, and chapter 4 begins, when Samuel, we've been hearing about this guy, he is in opposition to the Jews, remember, in fact, we'll look at a couple of the things that we he said earlier, but he just opposes anything good happening to the Jews. He just, you know, he just hates him because he hates him. That's the kind of place he is. And, and also because Satan has got control of his heart. And so they, they've got this plan. They're excited. And as soon as Samlet heard about it, that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly insist. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Now, introduction here to a new group. Before, it's been Sambalot and, and Tobias and, and just a few people. But now we have a whole army that's involved. And now we're getting the picture of, okay, there's more to this, this opposition to the, the Jews and the rebuilding of the wall and anything good happening for them than just a couple of guys. we got a whole army that's involved now. What are these evil Jews doing? When, will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? What do you guys think you're doing? You really think you're going to rebuild this wall? Are you kidding me? You think this is going to just happen? What is wrong with you? In fact, it goes on, and, and Tobias comes in and says, you know what, a fox could jump on what they're building, and it would knock it down. That's how bad it is. sounds like something I would build, so... But that's the reality. Just about the time, you know, they finally got it together and they're excited and God's put a plan before them. Here comes the attack. <clears throat> Here comes the discouragement. Here comes the, the individuals that say it can't happen, it won't happen. What do you think you're trying to do? Why? You, really, you think you can do that? And how do you respond to that? You know, when you're trying to do a good thing, you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to move forward, and what God it seems to—he's made it clear—it's His will—and and now you're getting attacked for doing something good. What do you do about that? <laughs> well, first, remember this. Don't ever forget this. In the middle of that is that John said it, and John had walked with Jesus. He witnessed it. He he was he was one of those individuals that when, you know, Jesus died on the cross that thought, it's done, it's over, we're, we're finished. We thought this is what was going to happen. We thought this is who Jesus was, but now he's dead. And, and and then he saw that it wasn't over. And he wrote this reminder, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So that's first thing. Remember that. And Really, just walk through what how this is in how this is escalated because you know in the beginning when Nehemiah first got there, uh, that early in the situation and Nehemiah arrived down in Jerusalem and Samuel and those enemies, their first response to that was they were disturbed. And remember why they were disturbed? They weren't disturbed because. Nehemiah was raising an army to fight against them. They weren't disturbed because Nehemiah had come down here to do damage to any of their homes or any of their people. He wasn't here to attack them. He wasn't here to do anything to those folks. He was simply here to do something good, hopefully with God's help and God's wisdom, that, the Jews, that he could do something good for his fellow Jews. And that disturbed Samlet. that anybody would want to do something good for the Jews. That was disturbing to him. Yeah, our enemy doesn't make sense. Don't expect logic, don't expect, uh, you know, uh, anything that would, you know, sometimes where you can say, "Well, I can understand why he would think this or why that person would think this about me." Don't expect that. And then as things began to happen, they came and they began to actually come up with a plan. He he it notches up. Now he's mocking them and he's ridiculing them and and he, and, he, and he's spreading a rumor. He's, you know, he's he's kind of testing the waters. Let's see if, this, this, if I throw this out that they're actually thinking about rebellion against the king. Maybe, maybe the information will get back to the king of Persia, and he'll shut it down because he's done it before. And, and now they're actually starting to build the wall, and as we saw in that first couple of verses of chapter 4, now he's angry and incest. And he ridicules them and, he, and misrepresents what they're trying to accomplish. Really, you're going to build a wall in a the day? They never said they were going to build a wall in a day. Now they're going to re- rebuild that wall in, in a, m- a miraculous time period and downplay what they are accomplished. That's the way the enemy works. So what do you do when you're under the attack? Either the enemy directly in, in, in feeding these thoughts, negative thoughts to your mind, or, or sometimes attack comes from outside, from individuals who... Whether they realize it or not, they're being used by our enemy to discourage and defeat and try to sideline you from doing his will. What do you do? Here's what Nehemiah does over and over and over again. Man, are we hearing this? He prays. Hear us, O Lord we're despised. And and I and do you hear in that question, I don't know why we're despised. I don't know why they have it out against us. I don't know why they're so unhappy about us. It's rebuilding the walls of our city. But for some reason, we're despising God. We need help. Is that message coming in loud and clear that God wants those conversations with you and I when we're in the midst of those circumstances that are bigger than us that we don't see our way out and and, and he wants us to talk to him. And i got to tell you, to, at the risk of sounding mystical, but it is a pretty powerful thing. I've seen it in my own life. Those, I've, uh, the, I've been in situations where I am simply overwhelmed by whatever is going on to the point of, 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 of feeling and sensing defeat. And if I'll just grab onto this, if I'll just pause and talk to my God about it, it's an amazing thing. You know, I have this conversation, and, and and lots of times the conversation starts off kind of lashing out. You know, God, I trusted you. This is I'm doing your will. I thought this is your direction. And why is all this stuff happening to me? And and eventually as we talk through this, more often than not, a peace settles in. Nothing's changed. Circumstances are the same, but somewhere in the midst of that, I was reminded that. My God knew exactly where I was and knew exactly what was happening and and He has it i don't, but He does, and I can trust him and this peace shows up, and it's an amazing thing, and I've seen it happen so many times, too many times not to say this is the this is the right route and and so often as Christians we 've forgotten this powerful opportunity God has given us to be in conversation with him. All the time, but also get a little bit of a chuckle. As go, prayer goes on, O oh Lord, hear us, O oh Lord, for we are despised. Turn our insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. I kind of appreciate this, don't you? And I appreciate that God recorded. You know, sometimes we're we're a little bit too milk toast as Christians. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here let's read between the lines. Number one, Nehemiah knows they're doing the will of God. So he knows that those opposing him should not be opposing them because we're doing what God has instructed us to do, and not only that, He's already shown up by giving us a plan of action, and things are happening, and people are encouraged, and and these are all the kind of things that everybody should be celebrating. And yet, there are people who are not; they're actively opposing us. And so Nehemiah knows that uh, whether they realize it or not, they are their enemies. And he's saying, "Lord, take care of the light work." You know, these they're coming against us. But I appreciate this as well. He doesn't tell the people, let's you know, let's quit building the wall with stones and march. let's throw some stones. He, he lays this in the hand of God. Lord, you you take care of it. You know what they're doing. You know it's wrong. Take care of it. Now I have some suggestions. You hear his suggestions in there, but but I'm going to leave this to you. I, I love it. I love it. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, our, our perspective again. Even if, if you turn over with me, if you have your Bibles, turn over to First Peter three. Now, if you don't know where that is, go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and then just move a few pages towards the front, and you'll come to John, first, second, third John. You'll come to Second Peter. You'll come to First Peter. But here's—I think we miss this sometime Because here, here's interesting: the, the scenario here is it's actually Peter is remembering those moments when Christ, those hours when right before the cross. And all you know the things that Jesus went through. And and so in the midst of that, he's remembering the pain, the suffering, (coughs) the insults, the the hatred, (coughs) the satanic oppression, which is obviously part of it. And and so in verse chapter two, verse Peter chapter two, verse twenty three, he says, When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. But we miss this one. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You hear what he's going on here? He's saying, Okay, Lord, Father in heaven, you see what's happening here. Some of this needs judging. I'm gonna trust it, entrust it to you, cause you judge justly. Here's a, you know, just a little to throw a little kink in this, you know, some some of you may push back and say, but wait a minute, on the cross he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And you know, here's all here's a question I have for you. Did everybody in that crowd not know what they're doing? There were some that knew exactly what we're doing. We're told that. They're they're the the group of Pharisees. Nehemiah comes and sees Jesus. Nehemiah is a Pharisee. He comes to see Jesus in the middle of the night because he didn't want his fellow Pharisees seeing it. And he says to Jesus, we know you're from God. And last year, we were looking through the, the life of Jesus and something, and more than once... The Pharisees would said that to Jesus. They would come to try to catch him, but they would make the statement, we know you're from God, but, and, and so there were some individuals in that crowd that knew exactly what they were doing. They just did not want the Jesus to mess up their system. And, and so, so Jesus, after what he's walked through, he puts it in the hands of God, and he says, God, sort this out. I know you'll judge justly. I, I leave this in your hands. And we need to know that sometimes. You know, in the midst of those circumstances where we're being attacked by Satan and sometimes he's using others because they're willing to be participant and we need to know that God does what's right and we can leave it in his hands and he will. And he will. And so Nehemiah prays, and, and then they go back to work. And they rebuild the wall. In fact, soon it's halfway up. What an encouragement as, as God moves in there! You know, we're we're moving into an important time as a church. Exciting! I, I, the conversations we're going to have are exciting. And we want, we're, as as Mark said, we're going to get together as small groups. And and the reason we're doing this because we want to have discussion. We want input. We we we. Uh, we've thought and prayed about this, but we know we're not the brightest light bulbs. We need some extra opinions and thoughts, and so we'll have these conversations about how to do what, what we feel like needs to be done to 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 make this to a place that can God can continue to build His kingdom, and so we're going to have those conversations, and here's the reality, and I've seen this happen. We're, we're going to have disagreements. You know, we're going to have a lot of good ideas, and, and, uh, and it may not even be disagreements. It's just that we can't do everything, and so we make this, sort this out, and and here's what Satan will try to do. And be careful not to let this happen. Uh, you know, I'll have a really good idea and and nobody will agree with me. And so I'm kind of like, now you become the enemy because you didn't agree with my idea. That's exactly the Satan, what Satan does. Or I started thinking, you know, because you didn't agree with me, you, you must be Satan. <laughs> you know, it, it, we, we do stupid things now. Now I got to tell you, disagreements are not—that's that's healthy stuff. That I love our our elder board. We have some really good conversations, and and we're we are right now we're five personalities, and and the interaction is is hilarious sometimes as we're talking these things through, and and uh, we get laughing at ourselves in the process of it, uh, and that's all good, healthy stuff. Here's where Satan comes involved though. It's it's when we Quit talking to each other because we didn't agree, and start talking about each other. Or, or now I don't want to be around you because you don't feel the same way about it as I do. And those are all the kinds of things we have got to watch from because our enemy will attack, and he'll he'll try to get us discouraged with uh, each other, and and j- and not realize that you know we fight for unity. A- and we welcome. We want. We're having those groups because we want your thought process in here, and we're going to think it through together, and and then we'll make a decision, and we'll move forward, and. And we're not gonna let the enemy get the upper hand. So pray about that. And let me talk to your personal life just before we close because some of you you're you're in the midst of maybe one of those rebuild times. Right now it feels a little more like rubble, you know? And and, and maybe you can't see the finished product yet, but I gotta tell you, God can. And he knows exactly where you are. And he knows exactly what you're wrestling with. And he knows exactly the battles right now. And, and, and just know the enemy's going to attack. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to make the problem bigger than it is. Or, or, or make it, it's, maybe it's every bit as big as you think it is. But he's going to make you, can try to convince you that there is no way out when God has said he always has a way out for you. That's his promise. Don't give in to the enemy. Talk to God. He's got a plan. Talk to him. Hear his plan. Don't listen to the critics. Move forward. And God will do things that you will look back and have to say, man, God, that was you because it never could have happened if it was just me. Let's pray. Lord, thanks. Thanks for your word we dig into stories like this, and and maybe things that we have read in the past that we just even even get get a lot out of. And now we're saying, "Wow, this is this is exactly where I am. This is exactly what's happening. This is exactly what we're going through." And to, to get to be allowed to see into the hearts of others who have walked through this and see how you worked in the middle of it is just an amazing thing. Just so encouraging, and I pray for the individuals in this church family who are walking through some of those tough times right now and the enemy is attacking and the, and the what's ahead does seem so difficult, maybe even, even impossible. I pray that as, as we walked and looked at, at these people that somewhere in the middle of this discussion this morning there's a glimmer of hope. I may not got, have this, Lord, but you do. And someday soon, probably much sooner than I ever imagined, so soon that I'll have to acknowledge that it was you. Someday soon, I'll look back and say, Oh, God, you have done a great thing. Thank you. Thanks, God, for being there for us. Thanks there for for always wanting to hear from us. Now, as we move into the world around us, let us represent you well a world that you love, a world that you died for, a world that you want to adopt into your family so you can lavish your love and blessing on them. That's the world that we want to represent you in, Lord, so help us to do that well. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.
1: sounded great this Sunday. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.